Hey everybody, this is Brent Ingersoll and you are listening to the Speaking Of Podcast. Today I sit down with a guy named Al Gordon and I interview him both for this podcast as well as the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. And It was a real privilege to sit down with Al. I was able to meet him in London, England at the beginning of 2020 and I heard all about his incredible church. You're going to find him so inspiring and creative and his ideas about how the church is supposed to operate in a community is just infectious. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. Here it is, my conversation with Al Gordon. Well, Al, it is such a privilege to have you here today, my friend. Um, if, believe it or not, last January, which feels like a lifetime ago, uh, it's the same year, 2020. Uh, Can you believe I, it's the same year? I can't even. It seems like a different world and a different, yeah. different era. Yeah all together. But I was there in London. I got to meet you and just see some of the things that were going on at your church. And I got to tell you, um, I wasn't going to go. I was, uh, my wife and I were going to go sightsee in London. We, we had plans and, uh, my friend, Stephen Mulder is like, you have to come and meet Al and see what they're doing at, at Hackney church. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go see London. And I've never been here before. So, and he's like, no, you have to come. And so he twisted my arm and, and I came and man, I was so inspired and so glad. It was really uh, the highlight of my trip over there, just from a, a leadership and vision standpoint, you just you charged me up and I'm just thrilled to be able to, to talk to you today a little bit about some of the things that, that you guys are doing and just pick your brain. And so it really is a, a real treat to have you on here today, Al. Oh, Brent, thank you. And, and thank you to all you guys listening. And we love Canadians. Um, they are they are just, as a, as a British person, they're just much closer to us than, you know, they haven't rebelled in the same way the Americans have. And look what happened to America, right? You know, so um, we, we have the same queen. We have very similar accents. And um, we have Jason Ballard as a common, like, factor. There we He's go. Like an, an honorary Brit, Stephen Mulder, of course, you know, hey, hey, listen, Brent, it was a treat to meet you. And um, man, I can't believe it was only this January. I mean, it feels like it's insane, right? It feels like it not even like last year or two years ago, it feels like a different world and a different kind of universe. And I think it's changed. And so um, I can't remember what we talked about in January. Um, and we probably booked this in even after that. And then like the whole pandemic things happened. So, you know, we're in the process of trying to work out and learn. And so I'm grateful for you guys in the podcast you do, because we're trying to work out how we lead in this season as well. And, you know, conversations like this are so helpful. So thank you. Well, I think things are definitely changing, but it's, uh, it's real interesting to be able to talk to you because one of the things I took away when I was there was, um, you know, you were not your, 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 your everyday church. And there were just things like so often, you know, churches can be pretty, pretty typical and pretty linear in their approach. You know, we have services and it might be contemporary. It might be not or whatever, but you, you guys have really embraced a much more holistic and creative vision of what the church can and should be. And it really struck me as like, man, this is kind of, you know, just scratching the surface of how we're supposed to think about the effect the church should have on a community. And that was the thing I was really taken by. Look, for the people who don't know Al Gordon, they don't know Hackney Church, give us, give us the, the five-minute, like, what you guys are, are up to and what, what you've got going on there. Oh, well, gosh. Um, so my background is uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I became um, filled with the Holy Spirit, age 18, a surprise. Um, and you know was was just fell in love with jesus and um did alpha not long after that with nikki pipper and at hcb and uh, got involved in leading worship and sort of basically hung around church you know trying to help out and ended up becoming a job i worked in the film industry for a bit and then i kind of thought well actually i'd much rather be in church leading worship so um you know, was a worship pastor for a bit, did a thing called Worship Central that's, um, you know, an amazing group of people in Canada. You know, what you guys are doing is fantastic. So Tim Hughes and I set that up in like 2000, like 13 years ago, um, 2007, we, we launched that. And um, uh, and then uh, I guess about five years ago, felt this call to plant a church um, as part of the kind of HCB family um, in East London. East London is... I don't know what the parallel would be um, in, in Canada, but I guess um, it, probably like New York is the closest parallel. You know, a lot of people, a lot of creativity, a lot of young people have, have moved kind of east 
um, into an area what we call East London, but now half of Londoners live kind of east of, of Tower Bridge, it's like the centre of London. And um, it's also the area of, of the city which has the lowest church attendance, the highest poverty rates. It's kind of warehouse and creative district and um, loads of cool things happening. But um, in terms of church, uh, the church was sort of really absent. It was a bit of a graveyard for churches. And so um, we moved out here four years ago uh, with a vision to help um, plant a new chapter for a church that had been there for about 800 years. Um, but it kind of got to a place where they were like, well, you know, we want to reach each generation, right? So great big old barn of a building uh, falling down. When I walked in the building the first day to lead a service, there was rain coming through the ceiling. Um, uh, you know, it was, you could see the sky from inside the church looking straight up. It was a ruin. And um uh, the tradition, there's a very traditional congregation there who were kind of gorgeous, but had been there for about 800 years yeah. and hadn't really moved, moved much around. Um, and sort of in the Anglo-Catholic tradition, which actually is a tradition that we, we love and you know, we get and we want to, you know, I'm a Church of England priest. I'm a parish priest in the Church of England. So, um, and actually there's so much strength in the rhythm of tradition, the story of the historicity of our faith. So, um, but four years ago, it was kind of like a big, crazy blank slate of like, how do we begin something here that could have an impact on bringing hope to people's lives? So um, we, I guess we started with a kind of a, a team, like a church plant and a vision and prayed like crazy. And um, I guess fast forward to where we are now, we're probably, um, you know, uh, Four years in, I got. I, I started four years ago with a little team. We probably took about twenty from HCB who came planted, and then there were about um, fifty in the church at the time. Um, average age of probably seventy. So there was a kind of existing congregation who actually really important part of the story. Um, and now we have, I guess, probably um, we meet across five different locations. So we have four five physical locations sort of other churches that have joined this um family mm -hmm. um, under the kind of hackney church umbrella and then obviously online like everyone is doing so give you an idea like on on sunday we had a thousand and two people attend church either in person or or kind of families logging in you know people logging in digitally and about half a bit more than half of that now is back in person with kind of social distancing mm -hmm. um gathering in person um and i guess uh, you know um to, to articulate if you kind of ask me what what hackney church is about you can go on instagram search hackney.church or you can go online hackney.church but we're trying to build something that's a bit different and so we really focused our mission around how do we bring hope to those 99.2 percent and so we talk about being for the people of east london as our kind of vision um sort of target and we talk about our vision very simple is to bring hope to the people of east london and um we articulate hope in a very specific way so we talk about h um, the honour, the culture of honour, um, in that we want to honour God above all else, but also honour the people, honour the story, honour the neighbourhoods we're in. Um, o is O for openness. And um, that's a key value for us, that we would be a church that exists for those 99%. Our doors are open, um, that we're open for everyone to come, whether they feel like they're a church member or not. Um, thirdly, P for proximity, uh, really key theological concept for us, you know, that the incarnation um, is all about proximity. Mm -hmm. um, and um, if you want to know what God's doing in your neighborhood, you've got to get proximate to people. You can't do that from a distance. It's not an academic subject. It's, right. it's um, you know, it, it, you have to be in the same space as them and understand what's going on with them. So, you know, we talk about the neighborhoods and postcodes and being present to people. And I think something magical happens um, yeah. in terms of church leadership in the, in the kind of space between people, place and the presence of God. When you're the presence of God in a place and people, you know, God, the kingdom of God comes. Yeah. Um, so P is, is one of key, our key values. And then, and then E is for empowering people. And that's a key part of it. We talk about, um, you know, being, uh, we wanted to see the church develop this kind of vision for being a cathedral of creativity. Mm -hmm. And the vision was to create this place where people could come, the culture could come, uh, people can come from the arts and different parts of, of the culture, the, the people who are reimagining the world, who may have no dialogue with the church, but feel like they are welcomed and that we as the church want to see a new renaissance come through the culture. I mean, post-pandemic, the church has a key role to play in lighting up the culture again. 
and we can talk more about that. So in a nutshell, yes. classic church plant, but we try to think of it inside out. So rather than how do we build a database and get givers and build kids work, yeah. we thought, well, actually, let's start with a 99.2% that don't come anywhere near church. And let's go and build a church that's for them. And then we'll work out the rest. It's so um, evident, Al, that you you guys are owning those. Those aren't just letters in a in a cute little you know acronym that you put on the wall. Like you really are. It struck me, and I I don't I didn't remember your your four core values, but I remember like as you're saying them, you know, seeing your ministry on the ground. It's so evident that you guys are living those things out. Specifically, you know, imp- the empowerment piece, and even just the, the the idea of place. Like that was one of the things that struck me the most was, and I. I was, I was there. It, was, it felt like a bit of a, a divine appointment for me, just with some dialogue I was having with God leading into that, just on him trying to get me to see the church as more than just how many people can you get uh, to, to be part of this and to come here teaching and to, you know, hopefully be saved and transformed and shaped into the likeness of Christ, but not really thinking about how that translates into their real lives and to where mm-hmm. God has placed them. And I was just so, so inspired by the ways that your, your community really is like, like meeting the 99%, you know, where they're at instead of expecting, you know, your, 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 your model of the kingdom is come to our church and be part of the kingdom that you really are like getting out there and, and inter getting intertwined with the culture and like you just said bringing bringing light and life to the culture and i mean i I, correct me if i'm wrong but i remember you like had like a a beehive business and like a brewery and a pub and like so many one of the i remember uh you're talking about this uh, hey baby thing you guys were doing or you're having like just where moms could come in and 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 just be together like just so many just different ideas that only would come from that commitment to like, look, we will not just call the church this thing that you got to come to and check off your list. And uh, I was just so moved by that. Um, this, this just commitment to see the church as living and active and getting, growing up from within that, that community. Like you, in a way you reflected the kingdom, but you also reflected like that part of London, like, you know, the, mm. the arts and the creativity and the type of people that were there. Like you're meet- it was very, well, you're, you're, you're very kind. You were obviously very jet lag, Brent, because I, I think, uh, you know, you're giving it a rave review. Um, can I just, can I just let you know one thing? I, I'm going to pour myself a cup of tea because I've got a thermos. If it sounds like I'm going to the toilet, it's not. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. We, we, I got, maybe I got a sound effect of a flush. I could, I could, I could do. Don't, so. don't, I don't, I don't have complaints. that. I've got tie the fighters. Canadian, the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast will um, uh, take a turn for the worse. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if I speak to that a little bit, I mean, you're very sweet, and I think um, it, we're doing what every church pastor is doing. You know, you, you're a church leader. Your job is to um, is to read the scriptures in one hand and to to hold the hand of the culture in the other hand mm. and um they're not equal uh you know jesus is lord um but at the same time we're to go we're to go to the culture we go to go to the whole creation actually it's not just the culture and i, I kind of um i've actually been really struck i've been s- spending i had a conversation with a, a franciscan monk the other day and um of course everything we're doing here i wouldn't call it neo-monastic because that would sound like it's that's way too pretentious for what we're doing but it's not new you know actually the church has been doing what we're doing throughout the ages mm-hmm. um the earliest worshiping community in our network in our family of churches so hackney was the beginning four years ago we also just planted into um a different part of town called Leighton and a place called shoreditch which is again you know a, a real kind of city center in, in it's kind of like brooklyn for london um and shoreditch which i'm the vicar of as well um has uh, a church on a site where there was the first Roman camp in 43 AD and the first Christians who came to Britain would have prayed at Shoreditch Church and they built the church on the crossroads of these two big junctions at the beginning of the first two Roman roads in the UK. Now, you realise there's nothing new under the sun. You right. know, I know sometimes you guys have such a young country, you know, you, you know, you, you trek up, but actually people have been around there for a long time. Jesus has been on the move in you know yeah. the provinces of canada way before any of us got there we call an old building 80 years old as an old building right 
so so we we this this Franciscan friend of mine, this 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 guy was basically saying to me, you know, hey, you know, I was saying how we've been actually wrestling at the moment, um, because I think you'll know this, but vision is not static. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the kingdom of God is is a movement; it's not a monument, and we have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so, as a church leader, you know, I'm constantly like you know, putting up the notice board and then the next year I'm tearing it down and putting another one up because we're, we're doing something new and we're moving on and we're moving forward. But we've been wrestling with our identity as a church because we've gone from one location to five locations, even during the pandemic. So we've that's a new thing since you were here in January. Mm-hmm. So we've been asking ourselves a little bit about what our mission is. So our vision is to bring hope to the neighborhood we're in, wherever that is. And our mission is different to that. So we talk about our mission, um, being three things number one to see lives restored which is why we run alpha and then we run a thing called lighthouse which is our work with the vulnerable the homeless um, and those two things by the way are the things that come before the church you know they are more important than running a church because if we don't run those we won't have a church if we run a church we may be able to run a religious meeting but i'm not interested in running a religious meeting i'm in, in a rescue business yeah. so alpha is the best tool for reaching people i've met if i find something better I'll dump Alpha tomorrow. But we've seen in lockdown phenomenal impact online of Alpha. Zoom chat rooms. I'm leading Alpha tonight in, in, in our small group. Just endless stories of atheists yeah. going, I feel like there's got to be something more to this. You know, we know in the UK, one in four young people between ages 20, 18 and 24 tried church online for the first time during the lockdown. Oh, so for a very secular culture, we're seeing huge fruit from Alpha. The other is is the work with the vulnerable and the lighthouse stuff is is really, we do a lighthouse project that started off as a partnership with a local restaurant. It was like an amazing restaurant where they feed, um, it's kind of like, you know, chef's table kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we basically do a homeless shelter, but they cook, so the food is really good. And that's grown up and it's now, um, moved into actually giving out food parcels that are very carefully thought through and so we've started like last year a free pandemic went to five thousand meals a year which i thought was like a great number i was like we got a cake with five thousand on it we're like yay mm-hmm. you know good biblical number jesus feeding five thousand aren't we great when the pandemic hit we started giving out five thousand meals a day so we were like wow. we, we have to get better at doing this so you know we've been we've been learning we're on i think 100 and 30 or 150,000 meals now, we're looking at 500,000 meals next year. So that's because the 99 is the focus. Um, so first thing we're trying to do is, is restore lives as our mission. The second thing we're trying to do is revitalize churches. Now, in your context, I don't know whether you're, what, you're listening to this and you're a pastor of a church that's like brand new, that's like a church plan, um, but the church always needs revitalizing. Mm. You know, it's it's like the body, you know, health outcomes in the pandemic are much better if your body is fit and healthy um and so one of the ways we're going to fight the pandemic as the culture is is we're going to get fitter and healthier we need to look at our underlying medical conditions and help provide medical care for people and all those things so revitalizing churches for us is a really key thing um what does that look like well it looks like taking an old building that's probably a generation away from decay and being sold off um and finding a way to bring it back to life and open it up to new audiences and get life going in there. Um, and I can say more about that, but, but the third thing we're trying to do is, is well, I had it down as renew, renew culture, you know, the renewal of all things, the renewal of culture. And I, I've changed my theology on this. So okay. I started off talking about the renewal of all things or the renewal of culture. And I still think that's, that's good. What I realized I, I think I mean, is much more of a Franciscan view of the renewal of all things, which is um, the Franciscans would talk about the renewal of creation. And actually to see creation renewed is a much more biblical and holistic concept than just the culture, or even, you know, it's more specific for us. So we've moved really specifically talking about the renewal of creation. What does that mean? Well, let me give you two examples. Um, Number one, we know the biggest justice issue facing us in this generation is going to be climate change. Um, it's it's a controversial topic, mm-hmm. but if the scientists are 90% right, um, we're going to see enormous pressure on the poorest in the world and enormous pressures on things like, you know, um, the disease replication, you know, if you look at the pandemic and what it tells you about poorest communities, the fact that the world is heading towards a very serious 
environmental crisis it, it needs to be part of our spiritual understanding yeah. um, because we are we have a mandate from god you know the the military will talk about your order is your last standing order it's what you were given you know until right. god gives you a new command the first order we're given at the beginning of genesis is to go and steward creation mm -hmm. and the created order is um is really key and then the church along the way and it's well, we could go into the theology of it but somewhere post-reformation post-enlightenment we dualize things so badly yes. that we we reduce the idea of church to being something that we do with spiritual stuff it's sp right. the kingdom of god is a spiritual activity and of course it is i want to see everyone filled with the holy spirit that's what changes lives but at the same time what we also need to understand is that we're called to be stewards of the whole of creation that involves life space dust matter um you know our bodies um not just our thoughts our, our actions not just our words and the communities around us yeah. so get another example would be um einstein said this about the bees so the bees um are really good you guys know this you're canadians you're smart but bees help pollinate an area mm -hmm. einstein said of the bees the bees go extinct the human race goes extinct within three years because of the impact the bees go have on the population you see this in parts of modern china where the bee population has gone extinct and they have to employ people to go around and pollinate um the fruit trees by hand now if let me put the parallel over to the church if the church is not in an environment if a church is not in vancouver or in toronto or montreal if the church wasn't there um would the culture know about it I and mean, would would creation notice let me tell you if you put if you took the bees out of a, an ecosystem the ecosystem would would change very significantly the church is meant to be like the bees of the culture we're meant to be in the world not right. of the world but bringing life to the world we're meant to bring fruitfulness so we thought well let's let's um let's do what the monks used to do and let's start an apiary so we got a bunch of beehives we got stung a whole load we didn't know what we were doing we did bee training um i i learned one thing on the first day is when you have a, a beehive thing box with the bees in it they're angry when you poke them and if one stings you they all come and sting you because you're like lit up you're like a target so you need to run i mean basic stuff like that we didn't know yeah. but we learned um and it was a great parable for us as a community wow. that we learned to keep bees now the cool thing about this i have a neighbor who works works for a, um, a big like multinational um, tech uh, household name that you and I will all be using the whole time. And um, to be honest with you, he, he's really good at writing letters and quite often they're quite kind of um, complainy letters. You know, he'll write and say the church is terrible at this and doing this and it's a disgrace. And um, I finally meet the guy in the street. I'm like, I know you, you're the guy who writes with the letters. And I'm like, how are you? You know, it's like a year later. And he's like, do you know, I'm doing really well. And I want to thank you because um, ever since you started keeping bees, my garden has doubled in fruitfulness. My, my plants, my roses are amazing. My tree, my fruit tree is full of life. My, my garden is amazing. I want to thank you because you guys keep bees. And it was a really powerful lesson. The church is meant to bring blessing to even right. those who would curse us. We're meant to be for the people of insert the name of your neighborhood. And that for us is a great is a great lesson, a great parable. And I guess our mission as a church is to meet the culture, help love the culture, serve the culture, and renew the whole of creation, be involved in helping build. So we plant orchards on our land. We planted a big orchard in the last couple of years. We started keeping bees. Um, you mentioned the brewery again um you know we have really bad street drinking problems street addiction in east london at the same time we have incredible craft beer and like some of the coolest breweries in in britain within the square mile of where we are and so we thought well what does the church do well it's to, to renew creation that means join the dots between mm -hmm. the craft brewery and the street drinker how do you do that well the church starts a brewery so we started the brewery, we got an investor to come along alongside us. And the idea is to make the best beer and make it profitable. And then the profit that comes out of that goes into the lighthouse project, feeding the homeless, working with people in, in vulnerable situations. And again, this brewery is like insane. It's really good, it's legit. It makes unbelievable beer. It's like a tap house. Yeah. It walk, you walk in it, it feels like an old monastic tap house. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I, I've got, I've got um, mixed reviews for this. Um, you know, I have people in the church go, how dare you? How, why would you, you know, such a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the devil's work you're doing. Um, and, that, you know, that's okay. I kind of take 
consolation that Jesus is called, you know, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of sinners. That's all right. But at the same time, like when I talk to people who come to church the first time, like, how did you come to church? Well, I went to the brewery. I had a great beer. Then I heard you run a church as well. I thought, well, if the beer is good, maybe the church is good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Um, yeah, we're making it up as we go along, friend. And we haven't got all the answers, but we're, Beautiful. I think we're keeping our eyes on this thing that, that, the church needs to be more than a gathered meeting on a Sunday or a website or, or, or a database. We've got to be, um, you know, for the people that we serve. Um, and that, that for us looks like all kinds of stuff. I mean, like, you know, it takes, it involves risk taking Mm -hmm. loads of things I could tell you about have gone horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, we're all learning, aren't we? I think, <laughs> let me ask you a question now, like, then this is, this is, this is probably more for me, but if there's any other leaders that are, that are listening that they, they're, they benefit from this great, but you know, I think something resonates in my spirit when I hear you tell that story, like, yes, this is why God put us here. It was the mandate in Genesis. It was the mandate that Jesus gave us with the great commission, like the, you know, the, that Gnostic lie, you know, let's not use neo-Gnosticism either because it's not new. It's been around that idea of, you know, we're just called to escape this world and get away on our, you know, um, that, that, that is, that's where the root of that disengagement the, the church has from the culture and seeing ourselves as agents of recreation and restoration and creativity and partnership and being, being those busy bees that are blessing, you know, a neighborhood, mm. it's rooted in bad theology. Um, the question I would have for you is, I, I don't think any pastor listening or leader would, would argue what you're saying is right. How would you, what do you think is the best way to mobilize a church in grabbing a hold of that? Is it just to go out and get, and you know, start the brewery or is it to untangle the theological wirings that, because I'm, I'm preaching through Revelation right now and I'm hitting that Gnosticism yeah. thing hard with my people. Like, they can't get past though. Yeah, but when when does God wreck the earth and take us away? And I'm like, it's actually not. That's actually not what the the scripture's saying here. It's saying God is going to restore all things. Yeah. Not in, anyway. What? How? How would you coach a church leader to mobilize their their congregation in grabbing a hold of their identity as recreative agents who are called to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's the call. What, what would you do? Would you just, would you say mobilize the people and just start doing stuff and the theology will come? I, I think, um, Oh, it's a great question. It's a question I asked myself as well. So I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to know what, what you think. So let me, let me put you on notice. I want to know what you think, Brent, but I, I guess, um, two things come to mind for me. Well, 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 Three, you know, we need to read our Bibles um, alongside mm-hmm. um, people who who don't know Jesus. Right. We need to understand, um, you know, the 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 points of connection and nexus that the Spirit is leading us to. Mm-hmm. Paul does this unbelievably well. You know, the altar of the unknown God, the pagan poet. You know, he is um, saturating his praxis in. Um, uh, in the world, but not of the world. And that's a distinctive. The church makes the the fallacy of being of the world, but not in the world. Um, So the first is to read our Bibles, um, you know, um, and not spend too much time in the library. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, I am, I worry that we are a generation who are incredibly good at using big words. Um, But I am, and look, I, I have degrees in theology, politics, and theology, philosophy, and you know, I have lots of degrees. I'm not saying don't get degrees and don't yeah. study hard, yeah. but I think we need to spend more time on the street than in the library. Yeah. And it's really important to balance theological reflection with um, getting out there. So I think the second thing I'd say is um, is the power of being on the street, of right. walking around your neighbourhood, wow. and pilgrimaging through the world that you're in and again jackie pullinger is brilliant in this she says you know the first prayer you need to pray is god open my eyes to the pool open my eyes so you know in practical terms what i i try and do is i try and prayer walk i just try and wander around noticing what's going on you know we we are um so privileged 
in the sense that we live in places you know you know we we all pass the churches that are in places whether you're in nova scotia or you're in you know i don't know where you know um you can be in the middle of nowhere and but you're you're um you're in a place Mm -hmm. and that is the incarnation you know god moved into the neighborhood and so walk around your neighborhood and ask the spirit of god to show you what what he's doing and you'll notice things you'll notice the problems you'll notice the opportunities so the third thing the bible is the first the neighborhood the street is the second teacher and the third teacher um is is the power of imagination mm-hmm. and this is in a sense um you know you can you can um you can outsource the first two but the leader's job is to imagine a future that the spirit of God wants to create and articulate it. And um, by the way, it's not the future that you want to create or I want to create. It's God, what are you doing that I can dream? You know, it's biblical, Joel, Peter, Pentecost, young men will dream dreams. You know, it's, it's our job as our call as, as leaders who want to serve the church is to allow ourselves to be available to God's, dreaming and imagining and reimagining um so for me that means um not being afraid to um to to sort of you know dream the crazy dreams and not to see the limits that people would put on you denominations would put on you Mm -hmm. um wounds would drag you down with um fear of people you know um uh, don't be, don't be afraid. You know, Peter wasn't afraid when he got out of the boat. He he was imagining he could walk on water. And right. of course, you know, he can. Yeah. And so I think um, the power of the dream and the power of, of vision yeah. um, and allowing ourselves as leaders to dream heaven's dream. Right. I mean, goodness me, when did we all get so busy that we stopped imagining, right. you know, um, and, and finding time and space to allow yourself. So my biggest piece of advice would be push back your diary, kill off 50% of what you're trying to achieve. Um, delegate, don't abdicate, right. delegate, um, but get to a place where you are prioritizing prayer, the presence of God, and allowing God's imagination to, to flow through you. And the rest is easy. You know, you can, you, you don't have to invent everything from scratch. Right. Um, there's no copyright in the kingdom of God, you know, in the sense that if you come up with a great idea, you know, and I steal it, that's, I'm just being obedient. Yeah. Spirit's doing something. Same with Alpha. Like, you know, people have tried over the years to reinvent Alpha. Nikki Gumbel's tried to reinvent Alpha. The fact is, we haven't found anything better that works. Right. And if we do, we drop it. But, you know, so I think allowing ourselves to dream and imagine. Um, and I think that's a faith thing. You know, yes. I think it's a spiritual gift. Um, I think it comes with, you know, the the apostolic is is allowing. And, and by the way, I believe every one of you listening to this has the ability to move in the apostolic. Yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the things the spirit, you know, you're not categorized, you're empowered by the spirit. Right. Um, so when we function in the apostolic, what we're actually doing is allowing ourselves to see through the wall and, you know, you know, see around the corner and see through the barrier. So I just encourage you, you know, to dream, dare, uh, be brave, yeah. um, have big faith. You don't, you don't need a lot of faith and then pray like crazy. And the dreams that are fruitful, God will bless. Yeah. And the ones that are bonkers, you know, who knows, you know, they may not happen. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, your story is that, you know, the, some of the things that he has brought together for you as you have held those values to be true and stepped out in faith, he has brought some pretty bonkers ideas into real life, right? Like I'd love, I'd love you to tell us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned the Cathedral of Creativity and, you know, the restoration project of one of your facilities, like it was a very old building and I was there and it was kind of halfway in progress. And then I've been following along on Instagram and just seeing just unbelievable transformation of a building. And like, I think it really encouraged people to hear a little bit about that story as to how you had a vision for this. And even the way that God provided strategic partnerships to kind of make this thing become a reality more than you would have asked or even imagined probably. Yeah. Um, well, again, that's, um, yeah, it's a fun case study in that, you know, we didn't get it all right, but we um, we had this amazing old building that was built to hold 2,000 people. It was really ruined inside. It was kind of like built in 1790, 1780, 
1792, I think 1792 as they started building it. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, it's a long time ago. Um, yeah. uh, uh, and um, it needed updating. It hadn't really been updated much since then. So, it, you know, picture, you know, the drippy roof, you know, it was horrible. It was horrible. You walked in there and it was like the, um, the kind of the palace of a long forgotten king. It was like something out of a, you know, Minecraft nightmare. Um, and of course people, we you know, tried really hard to make it work and get church going in there. But, you know, um, you know, Bill, God is not honored by our mediocrity Amen. in the sense that, you know, we, we need to, um, not the buildings are actually important. I don't think they, they are in the great scheme of things, but I think they are uh, one of the expressions of what the church is. does. You know, if you care for people and it's warm and they feel welcomed, that's going to be a, a witness to the fact that, um, you know, God is, God loves them. You know, 80% of someone's impression of, of a place or a space or a people or a relationship is formed in the first 10 seconds of their encounter. So when they walk in a building and it's old and cold and wet and smelly and not, not welcoming, you have to work really hard to win them around. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, um, you know, um, we started with um, a sort of scheme. We put a price tag on it. It was going to be like, it was like five, six million British pounds, which is probably like um, one million Canadian. One million Canadian now that, that we've left the European Union. Oh, um, but I don't know what UK pounds to Canadian dollars would be. It would if you were still. In, I don't know how it's changed in the last handful of months, but you know, it would it would have been. It's almost twice as much. I think it's like. 60% kind of, so you, you, the, the yeah, so it's basically work. really expensive. Yes. It's horrible. Eight or 9 million um, probably here. Yeah. So the way we did it is we thought, well, look, we, we got to go for broke because we can't, you know, you know, we got to think of something really, really exciting. So we went to, um, uh, there were two things that happened actually. One was, um, uh, an encounter with, uh, uh, well, one night after church, I go home and I'm having that. I don't know if uh, any of you can relate to this, but I had that kind of Sunday night, really bad Sunday. Like they've been like, nobody turned up. And I'm like, where is everybody? Was it my preach last week? What happened? And, you know, you're halfway the service thinking, just want to go home. Yeah. I'm just collapsing the sofa. I mean, that's like every other week for me. Um, and I go home and I have like kind of, you know, sort of like dinner with my wife and we're sitting on the sofa and I'm just feeling like, oh, I'm a bit despondent and we're watching this netflix documentary about creativity called abstract and there's an episode there uh, in there about a, a lady called es devlin who's an amazing um kind of stage designer and designs all the kind of u2 shows and everything from like you know opera and she's basically one of the leading designers stage designers visual designers in the world today and um it talks about how when they asked her kind of you know when did you when did it all start for you and she's british and, and she said well I, when i was a little girl i walked into a church in the middle of the countryside in 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 rural part of england and there happened to be this stained glass window there by a french artist called mark chagall and she saw this stained glass window by chagall and she was so um moved by it that she used to just go back and look at this thing and it was like the light and the color and you know really really moved her and it was a kind of epiphany moment for her and it's very touching actually in this in this in this film so i was sitting on the sofa thinking that's it that's what we need is we need hackney church to be like that experience for young people mm. you know we are half the kids live below the poverty line uh, we have um like literally hundreds of gang related kids deaths each year i mean it's horrible we're in right in the war zone of the the, the kind of the like worst bits of deprivation you know it's the second poorest borough in the uk and um for the kids who are out in the streets if one of them could walk into church and um and see something that would inspire them to think beyond themselves and um to connect them with something bigger and ultimately connect with god that would be amazing mm -hmm. so i did the kind of i kind of basically emailed her i just found her email or guessed her email and just said hey you don't know me but i'm a vicar um in east london and we're trying to build this cathedral of creativity and you want to inspire young people and could you come and help create a shagal moment for Oh, young wow. people in our area and to my astonishment she writes back really quickly and says yeah I'll come you want it you want a cup of tea tuesday so we oh, my wow. wife and i sit with her and we had this fantastic kind of beginning of a fantastic conversation friendship she's been a real sort of you know extraordinary sort of 
friend through the process and basically she, you know she said well look we're standing in the church one day and um she said to me just don't mess this up you know uh-huh. you've got to make sure that this is done really well and you've got to make sure the quality of the light and the building is done well and and so we basically go back to the drawing board and we start again we scrap the design that we had and we um we wrote a short list of like the top three people in the world we thought could do this and it was like dream the dream right um so we wrote down i wrote down my top three favorite architects my wife liv who's um uh an architect as well which helps she wrote down her top three architects and then ez wrote down her kind of top three architects and top of all of them was a guy called john porson who is a um british designer um i mean you can google him he's kind of like the father of modern minimalism so like first calvin klein store in new york in the 80s is his um a lot of the kind of apple aesthetic would be traced back to his work mm-hmm. um and he's an amazing um elder statesman of i mean he's not that old but he's you know in his 70s now he's an incredible designer um and so again i do the kind of dear john email and um uh he wrote back and said well you know i'd love to come and see so he came to see and i had this kind of in awe of this guy who's an amazing designer and walk around the church thinking, I can't believe that, you know, we're persuading this guy to come. I think, you know, he might even be considering helping us imagine this, this place. And, um, uh, he, I kind of said to him afterwards, you know, I said, John, you know, we don't have any money. Um, we, you know, we, we, you know, it's a complicated job, you know, it's like the, the worship on a Sunday and there's, we're going to do some gigs in the future in the church for bands and, um, and I said, you know, it's a real problem. The roof leaks and, you know, we don't know if we can raise all the money and, you know, we don't know if we can even pay you. I mean, when, when on that basis, mm. you know, is it something you want to get involved in? When do you want to start? And he just turns to me, he says, I've already started, you know, <laughs> we're off. And so I think we've been blessed along the way by some incredible people right. who, um, you know, you have to really trust God will answer prayers and provide. Right. And in my experience, what I've learned is God doesn't answer um, the he seems not so interested in the pedestrian prayers. Mm. He seems to be really drawn to the prayers that will require a miracle for them to be answered. And so my encouragement would be um, in the dreaming to make sure that you um, don't limit yourself by realism. Realism is not a Christian concept. Faith is a Christian concept. We've got to be, we've got to be, um, We've got to dare to believe that God is the God of the impossible. Um, now, by the way, this this sounds like a condensed time frame. You know, you're getting the edited highlights. Yeah. There have been lots of disappointments, lots of battles. There's been, you know, years and years of frustration and prayer and things that haven't worked out and things that have been, you know, painful. Um, but where we are today, we finished the building. We're about to launch our first social distance gigs in December. If you want to go online, you can track along. Um, like the church on Instagram is Hackney.Church or my Instagram is Al Gordon. I think it's, I don't know, it's like L A L G O R D dot O N. And we'll yeah, I'm, I'm really bad on We'll link to it yeah. in, in the post um, where people can but go like, you know, check it out. I kind of update everyone what's going on on those channels. Um, so I, I guess, you know, we want to. Um, we want to bless as many people and have as much contact with as many people as we can in order to help them connect with Jesus. Um, but Brent, I want to know what you, what your reflection is. What do you, how, when you think about your neighborhood and you as a church pastor and, you know, typical churches in Canada, like how do you connect the stuff we're talking about today in your life with the rhythm of your culture and your neighborhood? I think, I think I'm, st- we're still asking those questions, Al. And, and, I think the landscape in some ways is changing and shifting with, uh, with COVID and it's going to provide new opportunities. So let me spin this back on you. Just the last, <laughs> last question, last question. He's so here. hard to get to um, pin down. No, I, I actually, well, you're an opportunist. You're, you're not a realist. You just said you're, you're, you're a faith dreamer. What yeah. are you, you know, I'm, I'm proud of us. We're, we're closing off and we did not get into a COVID ditch here. Um, in our talk, no, we're sick. No we're sick of talking about it. But what are you dreaming about when it comes to opportunities presented to the church with some faith and dreaming and real leadership? Uh, what gets you excited? Challenges notwithstanding, uh, about what this crisis is affording us uh, as a gift to reform and mobilization and refinement and revival and all the stuff. What what what's get you? What's got you dreaming right now? Um, wow. 
Josh, I'd love to ask every one of your listeners the question too, because we're all in it together. Um, and we're learning all the same things that everyone will be learning. Um, you know, that we're never going back to the old world. We know that. Um, uh, and and therefore, what this season is going to require of all of us is a real commitment to courage and to um, being iconoclastic about the rhythms and um, even some of the values that we used to hold. Like I was always quite against the idea of digital church. I would thought, well, you've got to be in the room. You know, um, we're seeing as many who will come to church online mm -hmm. as we are in person. And we're back. We're, we're, I don't know what it's like in Canada. But we're instilling quite hardcore sort of lockdown provisions. Churches are one of the few places you can go, but even then there's no singing. Mm -hmm. You have to be two meters apart, face masks. So it's a really strange experience. But yet there seems to be a real spiritual awakening and a hunger. So I think the first thing is, like everyone will know, um, we're never going back. Mm -hmm. um, Egypt in you know, 2019 is, 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 is not just like last year, it's last century in yeah. terms of what's happened. And I think we're learning huge opportunities about how we can integrate people digitally. Like we, we now talk of online as a, as a location in itself. We have a pastor and a team who've just appointed to pastor that um, for us. So, you know, you can join with us wherever you are for a, a Sunday experience. You know, I think the other thing is that um, we realize um, the imperative of creativity mm. um you know we, we have to be we have to force ourselves not all of us are creative um but like um we can we can listen to people who who are gonna shape and think differently because the reality now is unless we adapt we're gonna die that's right. and that's the tr true of you know a viral a viral age that we're in um one thing we're learning is that the virus is adaptive you know the COVID crisis is, is unfortunately not going away. I know that, you know that. We're not going to be unfortunately out of this anytime soon. We're probably going to be still having the same conversations in 2025. We all know that the impact of this is very long. This is now a new seasonal, it adds to cold, flu and COVID. It's going to be something we have to learn to live with. Um, but how are we going to learn to live with it as a human race? We're going to out-virus the virus. Right. You know, the virus is a, is, is a pretty simple structure. It does one thing really well. We as the human race are going to learn to adapt and we're going to evolve around it and we're going to learn to, to overcome it with science, with treatments, with social distancing, with all those things. In the same way that a viral age needs a viral church. That's good. And we've got to be creative. Um, why should the devil have the upper hand when there are thousands and thousands of people in your neighborhood that don't know yet about the vaccine for eternal life, don't yet know there's hope? Um, people are desperate right now for some hope. You know, I, every time my news alert goes off, I hope it's a vaccine. I hope it's, you know, something that will help me think, oh, I hope it's a bit of good news today. Um, but the reality is um, we have the best news. We have the vaccine for the human condition, which is a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work. So we have to learn to behave and think creatively about that. Yeah. And, you know, it's something Craig Rochelle says brilliantly, um, you know, what, you know, um, in order to reach people that no one else is reaching, you've got to do things no one else is doing. Right. A truism, again, is that what got us here isn't going to be what gets us there. Right. You know, all of us as church pastors, we have to learn to not be pastoral. We have to learn to be missional and apostolic we're really good at being pastoral but right now our people aren't coming to church in the same way we can't expect that hour and a half on a sunday where we input we've got to think differently and be creative and we're learning you know you guys will be learning us too um third thing to, to add um would be um that uh this is a, a moment to prioritize the poor and you know many things we've written about the pandemic uh you will all tell your grandchildren what happened in the great pandemic and God willing, there'll not be another one like this in our lifetimes, but there may be, but the point is the stories are going to get written are going to be, you know, defined and shaped in the next year. Yeah. And I know for me, if my, um, if my metric of success was I got a building open yeah. or I didn't kill the church or I, you know, survived, you know, um, that's not really good enough. That's not, you know, I don't want to look back at this moment. You know, our, our metric for success has to be who did we rescue? Who did we help? So really, I think this is the moment to turn the church inside out and not be quite so obsessed with how we look and, 
you know, our success and our social profiles and, you know, who's coming to church, who's not coming to church, is our branding any good? You know, uh, is our theology any good? Um, you know, are we, are we getting it right? I, I would let's postpone all of those concerns mm-hmm. to 2025. Yeah. Uh, true theology, true religion, James says, is to orphans and widows. Yeah. And there are plenty of those right now. So I think um, we need to take a five-year sabbatical from um, being hot young church leaders like you all are and go out and spend five years loving the poor. And then we'll get back together with some wounds and some battle stories mm-hmm. um, with prostitutes who come to know Jesus, with hungry people who've been fed, um, with people who um, were never mil- a million miles from a church that we went to and we loved and we listened and we learned from and we worked together. And what you're going to find probably when that ragtag army assembles in 25 is that they were far bigger than any strategy paper, yes. far more success than anything we could imagine. Your churches will we'll need bigger churches. Um, so now is the time to go and to love people and to preach the whole gospel um, and um, to be brave and be creative and live your best 2020 through 2025. In Jesus' name. That's a, that's a good word. <laughs> Amen, Al. Thank you so much for sharing your time oh. and your heart and your mind. Uh, you've really been a blessing today, my friend. Thank you. Not at all. I'm sad it's been a one-way conversation despite my efforts. But Brent, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you, all of you listening on the podcast. You know, I'm I'm really impressed with what you guys have been doing. And just how cool is it for the church in Canada that you guys are even getting together on the same space and, and thinking about leadership? And um, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the fruit in years. And I, you know, I genuinely, the last trip I made outside the UK was to, was to Canada um, on, on ministry. And um, I'm hugely, huge love for all of you and track with a number of you and just grateful for you guys. So uh, we're praying for you and thanks for taking the time to listen. And as um, Brent said, you know, we do connect in. We're online at Instagram or on, on our website is hackney.church. And if you want to email me, you can just, my, my email is al at our website. I don't mind who emails me. I'll try and reply if I can. Um, but just be in touch. You know, don't be a stranger. Um, we'd love to hear if you've got stories that can encourage me and I can encourage our guys here um, with. And um, blessings on you guys. Thanks, Al. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Al. He is such an inspiration. I hope this causes you to go out and think about how you can be a light and be a creative force in your neighborhood and on your street for the kingdom of God and the glory of Jesus. Hey, if you haven't already, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. Maybe take a minute and share it for someone else if you think they'd be encouraged. And hey, if you want, you could even leave a positive review. I don't want any of your trolls, so don't any of your one-star reviews. Keep that to yourself. But if you want to like leave a positive review, uh, I'd sure appreciate it. If not, we'll see you next time. Oh,